close your eyes for a minute and imagine life without scales, life without the pressure of needing to hit a number or call ourselves a specific size, don't you feel calmer just thinking about it? Today, I would like to take you on a new journey, a journey where we can be turning away from the panic button, the shoulds, the have tos, and leaning into what feels successful and enjoyable. To enjoy true change, lifelong change, we have to implement the right tools for consistent progress, and we have to change our mindset. This is no easy feat. It takes a lot of practice, a lot of positive self-talk, and a lot of repetition. Today, I will be walking you through different tools for success, as well as guiding you through the process of shifting our mindset on measuring our success. Hint, hint, eyes on your own paper, because everyone's success looks different. Sound refreshing? Stay tuned. Hello, and thank you so much for joining me. I am your host, Lindsay House, registered dietitian, private trainer, accountability coach, author. I have been working with clients for over 13 years, passionately changing the culture of health and fitness. I'm out here smashing scales, helping individuals rewrite the rules to what success looks like in their life. I want to change generational thinking, no more all or nothing mentality, get rid of the diets and believe in the individualized journey. We are stronger than we will ever accept and beautifully made just the way we are. Keep your eyes on your own paper and trust your own path. Thank you for trusting me and letting me be a constant encouragement through your week. Let's get this motivation started. Welcome to your podcast, Direction Not Perfection. Happy Podcast Friday. Welcome to Episode 6. We are going to be talking about tools for success and shifting our mindset on measuring our success. I love today's topic. I probably have too much passion around today's topic. So in case I go off on too many tangents, I wanted to start you off with a clear focus of your takeaways. So if you walk away with nothing more, you need to understand this. I want you to know exactly what fitness and uh, nutrition tools are out there to help you, especially snag those free options, right? I don't want cost to be a barrier in order to get started. And I not only want you clear on the tools that are available, but I also want you clear on how we could be measuring our success. So let's pretend we're on a fitness journey together. Maybe we've already been doing it for a couple months. Is it possible to still be considered successful even if my pants aren't falling off or even if I haven't had to shop for new clothes? So tools for success and measuring success, that's what we're talking about. First, let's talk about tools for success. If you have done any diet in the past, jumped on any nutrition plan or trained for any athletic event, there's a really good chance that you've done your fair share of nutrition tracking, exercise logging, honestly to the point that maybe I have had a lot of clients that are really burned out or possibly even have some like negative experiences with the logging, meaning that it's not really a happy spot to go back to. Maybe you were forced as a kid. Maybe it took an extreme, took you, excuse me, to like an extreme eating disorder. We all come with our own background, our own beliefs, our own feelings around that logging and that tracking. So just know that it's okay. Come come with whatever feelings you may, but I'm going to try to put your mind at ease a little bit. 
Um, the one thing that we do know and why I feel like it's important to talk about this, even amongst the bad feelings that may be there already, but there really is, if we're looking at research, a significant association between self-monitoring and weight loss. And the three things that we talk about when monitoring is food, exercise, and even the weigh-ins. So this is why anytime you start a weight loss program or even a weight gain program, depending on what your goals are, you will always be asked to track your food. And you know this, like whether it's points or calories or do it on paper or find something on your phone that you want to track on. Same thing with exercise, whether that's pedometers or training programs, weigh-ins, you know, it all seems pretty innocent at first glance. You will, you'll be asked to do this. But here's the problem is, yes, it's innocent, but there, you can never do this without tying in emotions, right? So if the equation really was this simple, it would be, hey, tracking plus weighing in will equal weight loss or weight gain, whatever your goal is. But that's never the case, right? Like at this point, I'm smirking. You're probably rolling your eyes because we know that it's just, it's never that simple. We are not robots. We do not enter the health journey with without our own baggage, without our own feelings. So what is important is to understand, you have to understand the research and why this kind of stuff is always thrown out at us because the research shows that it works. But we also have to understand where we can take our own liberties and how we can individualize our own game plan. Uh, Somebody can make me a t-shirt on this because I say it so often, but it's never a one-size-fits-all approach. And once we break that barrier of thinking that way, you know, that thinking of, well, it worked for somebody else, so it should work for me, right? I feel like until we can break through that type of thinking, we'll never get off that on-again, off-again health train because it doesn't matter if it worked for somebody else. That doesn't mean that it has to work for you. It doesn't mean that you're a failure if it doesn't work for you. It just means that we have to individualize our own plan because there's a reason why it's not working and there's something that can work for us and that can feel good. Wouldn't that be awesome? So let me dive into explaining kind of what I mean with this. First and foremost, I have I have had great success with clients when they do dive into tracking their food and exercise. And I've had really good success when we can shift the mindset. There's that word again. Shift the mindset to making it feel more like a research project, okay? We're just gathering numbers. The numbers are just data. We're trying really hard to disconnect emotionally from those numbers. We're taking away those words of good and bad. There's no good and bad with your numbers. They're just numbers. You could have a 1,500 calorie day. You could have a 2,500 calorie day. You could have a 2,000 calorie day. You get my point. You get where I'm going with this. But they're just numbers that eventually are going to give us weekly averages and monthly averages. And you know what's so interesting? When you can really start widening your view of these numbers, you become a lot less critical of your numbers. I picture it like this, you know, taking your fingers across your computer screen or your telephone screen where you can widen your view, which is so cool that technology allows us to do it this way nowadays, but just spreading out the view to really see the bigger picture. Because if you could see that it didn't matter, that 2,500 calorie 
calorie day didn't matter, that that Super Bowl day of 4,000 calories didn't really even make a difference. It was all those other numbers that were consistent throughout the month that you actually, in fact, had a lot of 16 to 1,800 calorie days. And those consistent numbers were what brought your average into a nice, what could look like either a maintenance range for you or a weight loss range. So I'm, I'm asking you a lot through this podcast to kind of close your eyes and really envision this with me, okay? Envision looking at things more spread out, more graph-like. Let's talk that way even with fitness. When you can look at your daily steps as an average in the week, not as what a day looks like, but what's that week look like? You know how you're supposed to be getting around 10,000 steps a day. The reality is that maybe you get 4,000 steps one day and then another day you get 16,000 and other days you might get 10,000 and, you know, so on and so forth that you actually average 70,000 steps in your week because if you break it down, 10,000 steps a day equals 70,000 steps. So isn't that comforting to think of it that way? If you knew that you were still going to hit your average over the week, Would you still beat yourself up over that 4,000 step day or would you just look at it as, oh, well, I'll, I'll hit a higher step number another day. Maybe on my weekend days, I always go way over. It's just kind of balancing it all out in the end. We're getting out of those, those nitty gritty details. Let's take this one step further. Let's talk about weigh-ins, okay? The scale weight. I know you know me as your scale-smashing dietitian, but I also stand behind the fact that everyone really does have their own journey. I do have clients that prefer to weigh in weekly and then even some that weigh in more than one time a week. But my request is to plot those weigh-ins, okay? To really keep track of the weigh-ins, not just do them, plot them. If you're going to do them, let's make some research out of this number as well. So if you can visually see how your weight is fluctuating, but ultimately see how the line on the graph, though it may zigzag up and down, it's probably still heading in a general direction, whether that's down or up, whatever, again, your goal is. You can see your progress when you get out of the daily weeds and really start looking at it as some has some averages or over a month time span. So again, just with with the plotting of it, close your eyes, picture what these days look like as you weigh in. We have a day where maybe we've lost a few pounds. Woohoo! Another day where, man, why am I plateauing? I felt like I was doing really well. Another day where, what? I'm up a half a pound? I'm up two pounds? Oh my gosh, is this water weight? Is this, are my muscles retaining water? Because I've been lifting more. All the mind games, right, that go in with these weight fluctuations of up and down and up and down. And, and maybe you get a two pound loss and you're like, what? I got a loss I was expecting a gain I just ate out over the last two days and even threw some drinks in there mind games so when you take these numbers and you plot them on a graph and you see the ups and the downs but again you ultimately are getting to plot your way down you all of a sudden can settle in and just take them as numbers take them as research and don't let them guide your whole day Again, it goes back to the whole fact that all these numbers that we are gathering are just data 
they help us break through the mental fatigue or the confusion of why the scale isn't aligning with the efforts, the mind game of the scale plateauing while efforts are being increased. When you can start seeing patterns and flow, there is immediate comfort and trust building within these numbers. So the crazy part is I do keep finding that really what it boils down to, and this is kind of boring to hear, but it really does boil down to calories in versus calories out. For most people, okay, I get that there's these exceptions to the rule, but that really is exceptions to the rule. For the most part, when we can boil down to the numbers and honest tracking, it really is calories in versus calories out. Okay, but this is, you know, when we start to think about things like metabolic disorders and so maybe needing to go on medication and that's why my weight isn't isn't shifting or changing or maybe needing carbohydrate modification due to some insulin resistance going on, maybe some food sensitivities are going on. There are other things that come in. I'm not naive to this. I get this, but I really need you to wipe all of that out of your brain for a minute, go with the simple equation of calories in versus calories out. And once that equation stops working, then we start to investigate the next part. Then we dive into the nitty gritty details. Then we can get more into the weeds of investigation, okay? But I feel like what a lot of people do is they start with worrying about all those nitty-gritty details and and then we get that confusion that comes in and then we get frustrated and then we feel despair and then we feel fall off and that's what we're ultimately trying to 100% avoid. So I want to walk you through a little process. Again, my, my point of these podcasts is hopefully to be helping you with action, action steps, really moving in a forward direction. And so I wanted to point out the fact that a lot of our fitness trackers nowadays, like if you have a Fitbit, an Apple Watch, our phones have some free fitness trackers. The cool thing is, is that they give us our daily calorie expenditure, meaning how many calories we are getting rid of throughout normal body function as well as our movement. So let me give you an example. When I tap on my Fitbit where it shows that little fire, that's the calories burned, it actually takes me back months and months worth of data. So I can see, yes, sometimes I'm at a 15, 1600 calorie burn, sometimes I'm at a 2000, 2200, sometimes 18, sometimes 19. But when I take all those numbers and I start to give myself some averages, my average day comes out to looking more like an 1800 calorie day. So if I've been tracking any of my food choices, And again, this can be on paper, this can be through an app, there's no wrong way to eat a Reese's, right? Then you can directly see if you are typically staying under that 1800 calorie average, above it, within it. For instance, if I'm telling myself that I have an 1800 calorie average expenditure in my day, that's how many calories I'm burning in a day, but I'm noticing an average of my calories is looking more like 2000 calories of intake, then That would explain if I'm experiencing some weight gain or if I'm normally sitting around that 1,800 calories of intake, then that would explain maintenance for me. Or if I'm normally under it, that's where the weight loss starts to happen, right? But it's believing in those numbers, meaning our food tracking has to be pretty darn accurate, right? And that the fitness, you got to wear that wear that pedometer or whatever you're using and getting months worth of data so that you can really see something that's looking a little more real because none of it's perfect on tracking. So we have to just like start to believe in a little bit of a baseline for ourselves. 
Okay, so here I wanted to dive into just some of my favorite tracking tools. I'm a Fitbit girl. This does not mean that you need to be, but I still have my little $50 Fitbit. I love it. It does exactly what I need it to do. I feel like everything's all in one place. I can track my food on the Fitbit app. I can see my calorie expenditure. I can see my steps. I can log my other exercises. So I personally like something like that, and I like the electronic feature. Um, I know a lot of people are Apple Watch fans. That's another great one out there. Again, it too, you can see your expenditure. You can see your calorie burn. You can see your your food intake if you want to track that. So that's a great one. Um, Good old iPhone or whatever phone you have, just look up your apps on it and there are a ton of free apps where you can be tracking your food intake or your expenditure. So, and there is nothing wrong with good old pen to paper or even pedometers at the at your like local pharmacy okay you can get a 10 or 20 dollar pedometer that will show you your daily your movement and I'm honing in on fitness apps for a second because I really do think it's important to get a baseline get a visual of what our movement looks like in a day and I'm telling you this because the bottom line here is that if you know your baseline, let's say even while you're in high school, like while you're doing sports, what what does my movement look like in a time frame in a season of life like that versus what happened when I went to college? Where did my movement take me there? And then what happened when I got my first job? Let's say that high school and college was giving me tons of movement because I was either playing sports or walking to classes or, or whatnot. And then I get my first sedentary job where I'm sitting at a desk all day. If I know my visuals, when I can see, holy cow, I went from 15,000 steps down to 7,000 steps in a day, you can start to see, oh, I need to increase my movement to make up for that, that movement that's been taken away because of season of life. So I like to give that example because every season of life brings a different either movement challenge or movement benefit. My cousin had worked at a um, Lowe's or Home Depot for a while and was doing some of the stocking and his steps were crazy. They were like 20,000 steps in an evening shift and and so that was a workout every day f- for him. And then to shift knowing like this is what this job provided and then what the next job might provide. Man, if you go from that type of a job to a sit-down job, there's a lot of movement that has to be accounted for. So just just thoughts and examples on that because it is a big deal to understand and get that visual. I feel the same way about food and food trackers that I like. Again, I know I already just mentioned a few, but other ones, I really like Fitness Pal. I actually have a lot of clients jump on Fitness Pal. It gives a free option to do, to print off um, months worth of data. So, and it gives you a view of both your micro and your macronutrients. So, if, with clients, if I can have them keep a couple weeks, I can actually go into where a summary page is and print off all of that. And then, if you take notes with how you're feeling for the day, all of that gets printed within the summary. You have to do it on your computer, not on your phone. But again, that you can track on your phone, but the whole print off area is only on your computer. But Fitness Pal is wonderful for that. Good old pen to paper. I love pen to paper. I think a lot of people get hung up in needing to do all of their tracking on some form of an electronic app. And that can be a barrier for some people because they're not by their phone or can't get on it. 
And what we are normally always by is by a sticky note or a napkin or a or a piece of paper. And the bottom line with food tracking is really trying to get things written down pretty much right when you eat it because to rely on our memory throughout the day of what we have eaten, that that is not not to be trusted. <laughs> so so it, I'm telling you, I love when people show up with sticky notes of what they've eaten. I have one client, and I've told you this before, but she will come with food written on the back of her like lean cuisine boxes or sticky notes from her desk and then we just gather all that information together and and throw it down and the bottom line is is that it gets added right it happens because there's no expectation of perfection within it so again just thoughts on that All right, here's what I really need to know before I jump into topic number two, but I need to make sure that you really feel good that you could dive into some form of a tracking tool right now because it really is a tool of success. And if we don't give it one more good try and look at it more as research, we'll never know if that could really be a good option to just kind of smooth over the waters and and feel calm and confident in your process. So let's talk about the importance of how to measure your success, how to measure that journey. I realize we already talked about turning away from diet mentality in episode two. So if you missed that, it would be worth a quick listen. Um, There's journaling questions within that too. And I'm going to try hard not to hit all the same stuff. But I, I had a few more thoughts and tips for you today that might continue to help shift your mindset to just hit that reset button on how to measure your success. I believe that we have to rewrite the rules on what success looks like, not for society, not for your parents. I don't care what success looks like for society. I don't care what success looks like in your parents' eyes. I don't care what success looks like in your spouse's eyes. It needs to be what your success, what your rules look like. Society tells us the rules are to be a certain size, right? Or to achieve a specific look. But what are the rules that we're telling ourselves? One of the hardest rules to talk around is the BMI chart in the doctor's office. It's, it's one thing, you know, for me to talk with clients about diminishing that importance of magazines or celebrity images. We can kind of cleanse our house of of those types of things, but it's a whole nother struggle to to walk a client through and after the conversation that they might have just had where they've been placed in that category of morbidly obese because of the BMI chart that their primary was the one who just told them you're in this category, right? So I have to talk through some of this with you because, yes, it's important to have a gauge where we are on something like a BMI chart or a scale because it does, in fact, give us a frame of reference. They carry risks for letting us know, like, we might be at risk for diabetes or heart disease or other concerning health problems. So I'm not preaching that this frame of reference should fall off the face of the earth I just wish that we could make it a much, 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 much smaller part of the equation instead of the whole picture, right? Let me give you an example with this. I had a close friend who had lost more than 170 pounds and was out running marathons and triathlons. All of her blood work was coming back within normal limits, so her blood work was looking great. Her BMI, though, still stated that she was in the obese category, which let me just tell you this, this woman was all muscle and BMI charts do not account for this. So because of what the BMI chart said, she didn't qualify for an insurance monetary reward. 
Can you imagine what a punch in the gut that would feel like to work this hard on your journey and then have someone discredit your success because of a number on a chart? If you ever wonder where some of my passion comes from, it's these examples. And this is one example and I have a lot more. But yes, this this like throws me through the roof. So we are going to come across moments in our journey where our faith in our success is actually going to be tested. It will be really important to have a very clear understanding of what measuring our success looks like. So when our faith is tested, hey, have we been successful? We say, heck yeah, because we know how to walk ourselves back through what success looks like in our own eyes. So I had a couple creative ways for you to be measuring your success. And then feel free to run with this and share your own examples. Um, One thing I really like, because I am a journal girl, uh, keeping a journal of your weekly accomplishments, having those moments that say your wins for the week that make you proud. And let me tell you this, you cannot put one single number in this book. No no (laughs) weigh-ins, only non-scale successes go in this book, something that you can really look back on, okay? Um, Another idea would be to grab some dry erase markers and write some feel-good moments on your bathroom mirror. I do this all the time. There is rarely a moment where my bathroom mirror does not have dry erase marker on it. That that might be making some of you cringe. So these are examples, though, like I had more patience with my kids after I worked out this morning. I slept better on a day when I hit 10,000 steps. When I fit in my morning workout, I'm less dependent on my coffee throughout the day. These are just examples of like how you can self-talk yourself through some positive things that are happening that have nothing to do with the scale. Use your notes section on your iPhone or whatever phone you use to jot down, I like to call them smile moments. In a smile moment example would be, I chose an apple with peanut butter for a snack today instead of the donut, or I packed my lunch today instead of grabbing fast food, or I took the stairs at work today instead of jumping in the elevator. Really giving yourself credit for all of these wins, because in the moment they might not feel like a big deal, but when you can look at them over a week's time frame, there's a lot of success happening, right? Okay. Um... I feel like that's kind of my initial get you started, but keep, again, running with that. It just is really a matter of being able to get stuff down so that you can visually see it. Whew, (laughs) how am I doing about not veering too far away from the topic? I don't know. I hope we're doing okay. Let's actually get started on some of our journaling questions. I'm going to combine journaling questions of tools for success as well as measuring success. And again, these are always in your show notes. So if you are out running or in your car or someplace where you are not writing things down, no worries. That is, it's very handy for you in the notes section. Um, Number one, have you tracked your food and exercise in the past? Number two, what did you like and dislike about that process of tracking your food or your exercise? Number three, what tools and approaches have changed your mindset? How did they change your motivation level? So let me give you an example with that. But like if you, let's say, did track your movement, did you notice a shift in your mindset with like, did that give you a lot more motivation to keep going or did it mess with your brain? Did it make you stagnate? Give me all those feelings that go around when you start using tools to track your progress. 
Number four, write down three good feelings you could take away from fitness or nutrition if you allowed yourself to forget about weigh-ins or measurements. So that goes back to our whole topic for today. Like if you did not talk about fitting into a dress size, did not talk about a number on a scale or a number on a BMI chart, but allowed yourself to talk about the feelings that came with food or nutrition because you were trying more. Did you have more energy? Did you sleep better? Those type of things. What type of good feelings could be coming from all of your efforts? Number five, has the scale ever been your friend? What is your current relationship with the scale? Could there be a place in your journey to keep the scale if you use it strictly as a tool? So maybe you've had moments in your journey where you thought you needed to throw the scale out the window, but if you could kind of come back to it with a cool, rational mind, could you find a place for it? And it's okay if that's a no, by the way. It's okay if the scale needs to go out the window. I'm forever giving permission on that. And number six, what was your parents' relationship with the scale? What were you taught as a kid about health and fitness? It's okay to kind of dive back and think through that and maybe where and why some of the stories that you're telling yourself surrounded around health and fitness, where some of that's coming from, some of the labels that we might accidentally be giving ourselves. So take some time with these questions. I always tell you that and keep rereading your answers. My promise to you is that you will gather a lot of much needed insight and this insight continues to help push you forward and even realize maybe what resources you need to be pulling in. Homework looks very similar to last week. Your homework is every Friday. I want you assessing your week, resetting your goals. This might look like the exact same goals for a while, or you may need easier goals, or you may need harder goals. The beauty of going week by week is that we have that opportunity to assess and to shift as we need, right? It's okay to stay the same. It's okay to reset if our goals are too easy, too hard. It's okay, shift them, make it keep happening. The goal setting, the accountability, it's where the magic happens. Don't skip this part of the process. You are missing out if you are, okay? Do not fall into the trap of feeling like you need to be doing what somebody else is doing. Eyes on your own paper. Listen to and trust yourself because only you will know what ultimately fits into your lifestyle and your habit needs. Hey, one last quick thing. Guess what? If you leave a review on iTunes, I will be collecting whatever names come through on there and we'll be doing a drawing and providing a free coaching session. So get your review on iTunes because I would love to work with you personally for free for that free coaching session. Okay, so jump on, rate it, leave leave a review, and I'll put your name in the drawing. Have an awesome Friday. I will see you next Friday. Thank you for joining me today. If this topic served any purpose for you, or you could picture that exact person that needed this, I am always honored when you share the episode. We are making 2019 the year we are going to just pour motivation and inspiration onto others. I also forever appreciate when you leave reviews on iTunes and rate the podcast. I send you off with all the praise and momentum you deserve for staying open to information and keeping an open mind to what your journey looks like now, within a year, the next five years, slow and steady all. It's not instant gratification and therefore it's not always that exciting, but a much gentler and redeeming path that will serve you well throughout all of your years and for every season of life. 
I cannot wait to catch up next Friday. Cheers to health and happiness.